chapter 10 is where we're going to be this morning. So I want to continue this week. Before I, before I start, was that birthday okay last week, guys? Wasn't that a blast? Oh my goodness. I think we should all personally thank Royce and Cece and Debbie who got the confetti off the floor in here. <laughs> that was no small feat. When Royce um, opened the door for me this morning, we get here a little after seven, and Royce, another thing he does, he's always here on Sunday mornings, and the lights are on, the heat is up, the coffee's going at seven o'clock in the morning. And uh, he opened the door for me this morning. We were talking as we walked in. He leaned over and picked up another piece of confetti. The joy just doesn't quit around here. It was the best birthday party we've ever had. It was so fun. You can go online, watch the whole thing. It's available. There's a video of it. Um, but guys, we're, we're 20 now. God's got some good things ahead for us. Amen? Well, I want to continue to talk uh, to you this morning about the word for 2018. Does anybody remember what the word for 2018 is? Jesus is the word of the Lord for 2018. It says in John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word. He is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. The best prophetic word we could have over our lives is the prophetic word, Jesus himself, with a capital W, huh? So we've been talking about, John 8, 58 says, Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. And we've been talking about how the word of the Lord manifested himself and revealed himself to us as the great I am. The I am that the Old Testament spoke about, Jesus begins to flesh that out some more for us in the New Testament. That's a great play on words right there. He began to flesh that out for us in the New Testament. And in the book of John, there are seven different metaphors that describe who he is to us as our I am God. Of course, when he says, I, I am, I am, he is saying, I'm God. That's what he's telling us. But he wants us to know who he is in our lives personally every moment of every day. And so we've been studying these seven phrases. We're three phrases in, three, met, three metaphors. Here they are. We've been studying that Jesus is our bread. He said, I am the bread that came down from heaven, the manna. We've been studying that Jesus is our light. He is the light of the world, the whole cosmos. And we've been studying that Jesus is our door. That's a couple of weeks ago, we spent uh, quite a bit of time talking about how Jesus is our door and that the primary meaning of that metaphor is that Jesus is the door for the outsider, that no one is left outside. We found that by looking into the context of the passage and going back into John chapter 9 in the healing of the blind man. And when the Pharisees had cast him out of the synagogue, Jesus found that blind man. And it's in that context that he begins to teach them, I am the door. This is really important to John's readers because John's readers are in the midst of persecution and they are themselves being kicked out of the synagogue, which is a total... Uh, ostracizing of their lives, or of themselves from their families, or from their loved ones, from everything that they knew, from all of the social gatherings, they're completely removed. And Jesus says, I want you to know I'm the door. I decide who's in, and I say that you're in, no matter what the Pharisees say. So it was a very encouraging word to them. 
This morning, I want to be uh, to continue to look in John chapter 10 to get more of the context of what Jesus is saying. And what we're going to find is that Jesus begins to describe himself with two different metaphors. Now, we're going to talk about the door this week, and we'll go on and talk about the shepherd next week. But he actually describes himself, and it's interchangeable. He does both, and we're going to see that this morning in our study, that he is both the door and the shepherd. We're going to focus on him as the door today, but it's in the midst of this discussion he's describing himself as both the door and the shepherd. So John chapter 10, if you're not already there, you can turn there in your Bibles. We're going to begin in verse 1. Here's Jesus again saying, truly, truly. And I know I've been making a joke about that every, every week. Why did Jesus need to say truly? And I haven't mentioned this, but actually the Greek word is just amen. You know that, right? He's just saying, amen, amen. So be it, so be it. This is an established truth. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. Now remember, the, the, we, we have a, a chapter division that hasn't happened. The discussion is continuing here with the healing of the blind man. The Pharisees were just at the end of chapter 9. He's telling them they're blind, right? I came to heal the blind, and I've actually came to cause those who think they see to realize they're actually blind. It's only when you realize you're blind that Jesus can open up your eyes. As long as you claim that you can see and you cannot, you'll continue to wander around in darkness. So he's telling the Pharisees, your religion has blinded you. And so there's this hot discussion going on. Nobody's tempers have simmered down, right? All the Pharisees are still extremely upset. They're angry. And it's in this context, with the Pharisees around that Jesus begins to say, make this kind of a statement. He, he, again, let's read what he says. He that does not enter into the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way, is a thief and a robber. He's making this accusation against the Pharisees still, right now. And again, this is going to mean a lot to John's readers who have looked to these leaders as the ones who tell them whether they're in or they're out based on their performance. And he's saying, actually, these guys are thieves and robbers. Two different words that are used here in Greek. The, the thief is one who breaks in to steal something from you. The robber is someone who lies in wait and is in hiding, maybe in the, along the roadside while you're traveling, like the story of the Good Samaritan, right? He says, actually, these guys are both. They're those who've broken in illegitimately, into what I wanted to have accomplished in people's lives, they've broken in and they've stolen that. And there's also those that even lie in wait and, and they're in hiding to pounce on those who come by and to steal from them. And he's describing the Pharisees this way. So of course, this is not gonna go over real well, right? He says, but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the doorkeeper, and some, many commentators actually think that he's speaking about John the Baptist here. The doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice, speaking of himself, speaking of Jesus. So John the Baptist prepares the way for the Lord. And again, John's readers are reading this and the Pharisees are hearing this and they're noticing, right, that people are not listening to them as much now 
and they're starting to listen to the true voice. All of a sudden, when Jesus starts speaking, <laughs> how many know when the authentic shows up, that's when the counterfeit's easy to spot, right? How many know that, that people who, who study, uh, who, are, who are supposed to spot counterfeit bills don't study counterfeit? They study the real, right? And that way, when the counterfeit shows up, they spot the counterfeit. Well, this is what's happening. All of a sudden, the authentic creator of man's being is speaking and something is resonating in the hearts of people. The real voice of God is coming forth. The word is speaking. And as Jesus is speaking, the counterfeit's easy to spot, right? So he said, the, the doorway's been open and I begin to speak and people are listening to me. And of course the Pharisees, <laughs> they're not listening to them anymore. So they're gonna catch on to this even though they might be a little slow to catch on. When he puts forth all his own, he goes ahead of them and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. There's something in the sheep that responds to the sound of the shepherd. We'll get more into that next week. A stranger they simply will not follow, but they will flee from him because they do not know the voice of the stranger. It doesn't resonate with them in their hearts. This figure of speech, Jesus spoke to them, but they did not understand what those things were, which he had been saying to them. It's kind of going over their heads. So Jesus said to them again, I actually love that personally when I read that, because there's sometimes, let me scratch that, a lot of times, God will speak something to me and I'm like, right, anybody else? And so Jesus says it again. Aren't you glad he says it again? So he says it again, to them. Jesus said to them again, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door. There's, there's our phrase. I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers. Now, when Jesus says this, he's not speaking about David and Moses and those that even the old covenant would have said were good shepherds with a heart after him. When he says this, he's speaking about the Pharisees, the religious leaders, and even the false messiahs that are rising up at this time. There are many false messiahs that are, have been appearing in Israel. And so he's saying, all those ones that are coming before me, they're thieves and they're robbers. But the sheep did not hear them. So the Pharisees are gonna be catching on to what he's saying now. The sheep are not listening to us. They're hearing the voice of the shepherd. But Jesus specifically reveals himself in this verse. He says, I am the door. So I want to talk about two specific things that I think this speaks to us personally that we can carry home with us. First of all, this speaks to us that Jesus is our security. We can know that we 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 are secure in him. It's interesting, in your notes, you can write this, that the shepherd himself is also the door. It's not that he, he just switches metaphors. He's actually both at the same time. In fact, can you put the next picture up, um, Michael? This is what Jesus is talking about. Many of you have probably heard this or um, you know, heard someone speak about it or maybe read about it when you've studied this chapter. 
So during this time, and this would have been pretty close to winter, during winter time, the sheep would be gathered in a, in a pen kind of like this, and uh, it would be built of those stones, and maybe even have some briars at the top. And at night, all of the sheep would be gathered into this pen. And then during the day, the shepherd would lead them out to pasture. But in the evenings, they would come back and they would bring them into this pen. And so that opening right there, the shepherd would sit in that opening of the, of the fold, and the shepherd, who is, who is not only a shepherd then, he's also the door. He himself is the door. What does that mean? That means that any sheep that is going to get out is going to have to climb over him. You've got to climb over the shepherd if you're going to make it out. So he's, he's there keeping the sheep in, but just as importantly as we'll talk about later, he's also there keeping the bad dudes out. The, the, prey, the, anim, the, the animals of prey, the wolves that would come in and, and try to eat the sheep, he's there to protect the sheep, but he's also there for the sheep themselves, for their security. The first thing that Jesus protects you from, you can write this in your notes, Jesus protects you from you. <laughs> he protects me from me. I said this already, but you can write it in your notes. If you want to wander off, you actually have to go through Jesus. You don't, you don't just somehow sneak out from under his care. No sheep is getting out of that, that picture we had up there earlier. No sheep is getting out without going over and through that door. That doorway is there to keep the sheep from wondering, right? To keep the sheep safe. That is really good news for us. Isn't it? Because sometimes sheep wonder. Sometimes sheep go astray, right? So here's the deal. When you and I want to wander away from, from our relationship with Jesus, when we kind of want to stray a little bit, you don't, you really, number one, you don't ever really stray away from him. Because he said, I will never, 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 never leave you nor forsake you. So you can think that you're turning your back on him, and you may very well be, but he is not turning his back on you. You've got to crawl over Jesus to wander away from him. You've got to crawl through him. You've got to go through him. And here's one thing I have found to be true about him. I bet you have too. He, if, if we will listen, and even if we don't, he will do everything to talk you out of sinning. Have you ever noticed that about Jesus? He will talk you out of going in a direction that's going to hurt you or hurt your family. How I many you know sin never only hurts you, right? He will talk, he will do everything he can to talk you out and to talk me out of going in a direction that's going to hurt us. And he does it the beautiful thing about how he does it is he does it by pointing to number one, remember who I am. I love you. I'm, I'm your shepherd. I'm your God. I'm your friend. I'm, 
I, I'm, I'm, your, I'm your faithful one and I'm here with you. And he will do everything he can to remind you of who he is and he will remind you of who you are. Have you noticed that about him? If we'll listen to him, he'll be saying, this isn't really who you are. That's not who you are. You don't want to go that direction. That's contrary to who you really are. You're a son. This is who you really are. So the first thing, the first way I think he protects us is that he, he talks us out of sinning. Now, some of you might be like me and you don't always listen. Anyone else like me? Just sometimes we don't listen. So any metaphor, any metaphor can be carried to an extreme and we miss out on more that God would want to speak to us because we try to make the metaphor the whole truth, right? But God has more to say on the subject of sheep. He talks about sheep in Luke chapter 15 and he talks about how he's got a hundred of them and one of those turkeys or sheep <laughs> wander away. So you can write this in your notes. Jesus will allow us to wonder. You know it's true. He will allow us, after talking to us, because he's a good shepherd and his voice is penetrating our hearts. But let's say, let's just say, you know, I know, again, not many of you are like me, but the few of you that might be like me, that sometimes you don't care that you've heard that voice, you know what he's saying is true, but you go ahead and you go in the opposite direction of where God wants you to go. Some of you are like me and you do that. Jesus will allow us to wander off. But that's not the end of that story in Luke chapter 15. The one sheep wanders away from the 99 and what does the shepherd do? The shepherd goes, that's right. The shepherd goes after that sheep. There's no mountain you won't climb up. Right? You know the song? I can't remember the rest of it right now, but you know the song. <laughs> Something you're coming after me. No wall you won't kick down. Lie you won't tear down. You're coming after me. It's like one of my favorite worship songs right now. I love that song, Reckless Love. And I think that so pictures, and it even talks about it in the course, how he leaves the 99. Now we know that technically Jesus doesn't leave anyone because he doesn't leave us or forsake us. But the point of the story is that Jesus is saying, it's not the conglomerate that matters to me only. I have a church and all that matters to me is the many people and counting the booties that are in the pew. How many were there today? That's the conversation pastors have. How, how many you running? <laughs> how many people you're running now? I hope I'm not running them. <laughs> how many? Jesus is saying, I'm not just all about the hundred. I'm about the one. He is about the hundred, right? But he's also really, 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 really passionate about you personally. So the good news is that, yeah, he lets us wonder, but he's so good in your notes that Jesus will find us. I wish I could say it like Liam Neeson. I will find you. I will find you and I will bring you home. <laughs> Something like that, right? 
He finds us, and how many of you can testify like me? He's done it more than once. He finds you, and he brings you home. I can remember being in a van, headed down the road. I was in a band in Nashville, amazing club band. We were really good. I was wandering away, I thought, from the Lord, right? And I can remember being in this van with this group of guys, amazing, some of the best musicians I've ever played with in my life. They were so good. And good guys, really. I mean, pretty good guys. I mean, none of us were, were bad dudes, but we also were kind of wondering in our relationships away from Jesus, we thought. And I remember God speaking to me in that van as we were going to one of our gigs because they were having trouble getting booked even though they were an amazing band. And so I was just, I wasn't asking the Lord about it. Don't you love when God talks when you aren't even asking him anything? And I remember him saying to me, the reason that this band can't go where they want to is because you're in it. What? What? He, he said this to me right after this, right after that, you're Jonah. Oh my gosh, that's all I needed. I knew in that very moment right then what he was saying to me, you're running. And these guys are trying to get somewhere and they can't get there because you're on the boat. And they wanted me to stay on the boat, just like the guys with Jonah. They didn't want to throw him off. But it was at that moment then, that, actually that's when I came to Rapid City from Nashville, moved to Rapid City. And, and ever since then, God began to open up the direction that he had for my life to go. But I am so glad that the shepherd didn't leave me wondering, but he came after me, right? So if you're, if you're going to wonder, just so you know, you're going to have to go through Jesus and you're really not going to get away from him. You're going to be miserable running. You might as well know that. You can run, but you will be miserable because he is going to chase you the whole time because he does not let us go. He does not let us go. We are secure. So that's one of the things I think that God wants us to know and he wants us to be able to rest and to breathe and know I am secure in my relationship with the Lord. Thanks to him, not to me. Thanks to him. He's the door. He's keeping me secure. The other thing I think he wants to speak to us is that Jesus is our safety. He's our security, but he's also our safety. So let's look at, look at verse 9. He repeats it again. He says, I am the door. If anyone enters through me he will be saved and he will go in and out and find pasture that last portion there's so much in it that we can't cover this morning but it's it's you know how sometimes you read scripture and there's like it's like lasagna you got another layer and another layer and another layer right so there's so much in that. I mean, he, you go in and, and you go out. Part of it is there's the sheep pen and you're in that sheep pen and then you're able to go out into the pasture and the sheep, sheep pen speaks of, of fellowship. It, it speaks of fellowship with the other sheep. That's one of the things it speaks that, that, that Jesus says, I'll bring you together with other people. And in bringing you together with other people, you'll learn to develop as a family together. You're not alone. It's not just you and Jesus. 
But there's a group of people, there's a group of sheep that you're with and you'll go, you'll gather together with those sheep and then I'll take you out together outside the pen into the world, right? And you'll make a difference. And you, so there's, there's that meaning. And then there's the, the meaning of fellowship with the shepherd. It's a place where you come for the evening in, in the cool of the night and, and it's you and you're with your shepherd. And there's this picture of encounters with the shepherd that, that because he is our shepherd, we go in and, and we're able to then go out of that encounter and we're able to find pasture and we're able to lead others into encounter with him. So there's, there's just layers of meaning of what he's saying in that passage. But what I want to focus in on is the first part. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved. Now, of course, when we think of saved, it's packed with our uh, Western evangelical thinking. And it's not that it's wrong, it's just incomplete. And that's like, if you'll pray a sinner's prayer, you'll go to heaven. These people had no clue what a sinner's prayer was. And when Jesus made this statement, which by the way, he didn't follow up with a sinner's prayer. <laughs> so now would you bow your heads and repeat after me? I'm all about doing the sinner's prayer and we do it as every week we offer opportunity for people to give their life to the Lord. And I want you to know every Sunday when you come here, we, there will not, at some point in the service, many times at the end of service, sometimes in the middle, we will give opportunity for people to give their lives to the Lord. That's it's a commitment that we have, and we're always going to do that. And I, and I believe that it's a, it's a connecting point for people to be awakened to what Jesus has done as their salvation. So that's a big deal. It's really not what Jesus is primarily talking about here. When these people heard this, the context of what he's saying is, when he says saved, he uses the word sozo, which is a big word. There's a lot packed into salvation, not just I'm going to heaven, but you know, God's impact on every area of my life. But when they heard this, they're hearing in the context of the story, be, when you go through the door, you can be safe. Saved, you're safe. You're protected. I've got this. You don't have to be, John's readers are gonna read this and they're gonna think, you mean I don't have to be afraid of the Pharisees? I don't have to be afraid of the religious leaders? I don't have to be afraid of those people who have it all going on and, and they're telling me that they're gonna, when I'm in and, and when I'm out, and he's saying, no, Jesus saying, no, I want you to hear me. I'm the door, not them. No man, me. And if you will place your faith in me, I've got you. I will protect you. You will be safe. And it's that aspect of salvation that I wanna focus on this morning. And again, it's a much bigger topic than that, but I wanna focus in on that, ear, that, that idea of Jesus as our, our safety. So have you ever heard anybody say, I want you to know my brother, my sister, the devil will not be able to do anything in your life except what goes through the hands of a loving God. Have you ever heard that, even though it's not a scripture? Have you ever heard that before? It has to go, some people will say, it has to go through the desk of a loving father and God won't allow the devil to do anything except what passes through his loving hands. Let me, let me share with you a little bit different twist on that this morning. Jesus will not allow the devil to pass through his loving hands so that he can beat us up and teach us a lesson. That so violates that idea that God sometimes just lets the devil beat up on you to teach you a lesson, 
totally violates the idea of the shepherd in the door as the doorway. That shepherd is there to protect those sheep. That shepherd is there to watch out for you. And God is not using the devil to beat you up so that you can get just a little closer to him. See, uh, maybe 19 of the 20 years that we've been at church, 19 years ago, I got a blood clot in my leg, a DVT. I, this happened two times to me, but th this was the first time. And so I ended up in the hospital. And as I'm in the hospital, I still remember one particular person. They're not here, all right? So you don't have to look around and wonder who they are. One particular person came to see me. And this particular blessing of the Lord that they spoke over me was, the Lord has brought this into your life so that you would rest. Have you ever been in a hospital? <laughs> That's about the last place you rest. You, you know what I'm talking about? The Lord wants to teach you to rest. So he has landed you in this hospital with a blood clot. So what I'm sharing with you this morning is that's not the heart of our shepherd who is our door. Now knowing that, we just talked about this earlier, sometimes we, I, open the door to the enemy, myself, by coming into agreement with him. Jesus isn't opening that door so that he can just come run over me. The enemy gains access many times through to my life through decisions that I make, even when the shepherd is speaking to me, don't go that direction. Here's the way I say it in your notes. When we believe a lie, we empower the liar. When we believe a lie, we empower the liar. It, it's, it's a powerful thought, isn't it? That when Satan, which, which isn't too far from this verse right here, where Jesus actually says that Satan is the father of lies, and that's all that he knows how to do. In fact, Satan doesn't just get to go jump on top of your life and mess you up and mess you over. What he has to do is to get you and to get me to believe a lie. That's how the whole thing started, right, in Genesis 3. Has God really said, right? He feeds him a half-truth, just enough truth in it. And he says, you want to be like God, then do this. Well, what was the truth? They already were like God, right? Eve already was like God. But she has to believe the lie so that she will make the choice that sin is nothing more than agreeing with a liar. It's almost like sin is signing the check the agreement, the contract with the liar. Saying, I agree when I make the choice that's contrary to what God wants for my life. I agree with the liar. And so I make the choice. And when, when we do, we empower the liar. Romans 6.16, 6, you can look it up later. Basically what Paul says there is, you're a slave to whatever you obey. Whether sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness. So he's letting them know that even though you're, he's writing to Christians, right? 
When you choose to agree with sin, then you end up in a very difficult place. Now, we all know that's true, right? That's not like big revelation to us. When we sin, it's hard, right? It makes our life difficult when we choose to ignore and wander away from Jesus. But the good news is, aren't you glad I'm not going to stay on that point? The good news is, in your notes, when we know truth, truth makes us free. So whatever point that we're at in that process, uh, sometimes it's just in the point where we're being tempted, which, by the way, is not a sin to be tempted. Because a thought pops in your head, it doesn't mean you have sinned. A bad thought pops in your head, I think I'm going to tell my wife off right now. Doesn't mean that I've sinned because the thought popped in my head. Some of you heard me say this before. You can't stop a bird from flying over you and pooping on your head. But you can stop it from building a nest in your hair. Right? So the idea, maybe we're at the point where we're being tempted. And at that point, Jesus, Holy Spirit is speaking to us. This is who I am. This is who you are. This is who. And at that point, that can be broken by the truth. If we press past that point and we sign the contract, as James talks about, lust when it's conceived brings forth sin. Sin when it's finished will bring forth death. That's not talking about going to hell right there. It's talking to Christians that when we sin, it produces death, right? Uh, which death is simply the absence of life, right? So then we're, we're, we are walking in alignment with the lie. We're walking in alignment with death. But even then, when we know truth, truth makes us free at that moment. We remember who we are. The shepherd comes after us. He's never left us, really. But we wake up to his pursuit. We respond to truth. And truth makes us free. So what about the mess we made? Because <laughs> how I many you know when you choose to do something contrary to God's best for you, it doesn't only hurt you, right? It hurts others around you. We make messes. We can very much choose to hurt people. Christians can choose to hurt people, right? To hurt ourselves and hurt others around us. The, uh, I heard a story this week. And the story was told of an old grandfather that was a master carpet weaver. And as a master carpet weaver, he, would, he, he, he was the best in the world. There was nobody better than him. But his grandson wanted to weave with him. He's like, come on, Grandpa, please, 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 please let me do this with you. And one day the grandpa says to the little grandson, all right, we're going to do this together today. And so he sets up one end for himself and he gets all his tools and he lays them out. And then he sets up the other end for his grandson and he gives him the tools and, and he shows him how to begin to weave the carpet. And the grandfather begins to weave something beautiful and the grandson begins to make a mess. A total mess. He does everything wrong. But rather than scold the young grandson and tell him what an idiot he is because he doesn't know how to weave the greatest carpet in the world like me, what the grandfather does is he begins to incorporate all the mistakes of the grandson into the carpet and he weaves around them and he weaves them together and by the time he's done he has taken what the grandson did and incorporated and made it a part of a beautiful carpet you get the picture right you get the picture 
You can write this in your notes. If we surrender our tangled mess of ugly to Jesus, he will make it beautiful. There is nothing that you have done or can do. Yes, 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 absolutely. It may have hurt you and it may have hurt people around you. Even that, if you submit it to the Lord, you surrender it into the hands of the master carpet weaver, he will weave that. Well, what about, what about them? I hurt them. Guess what? You're in his world. You're in his world. This isn't your world. You're in his world. He loves them more than you do. He will take the mess you made. Oh yeah, you may have made some choices that may alienate them from you, but you are not big enough to alienate them from him. Oh! You're not big enough to alienate you from him. You're not that big. You're not that powerful. The master carpet weaver, Romans 8, 28 says, he will cause all things to work together for the good of those who love him, who surrender to him and are called according to his purpose. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says he makes all things beautiful in its time. Isn't that good? I'm going to wrap it up with this statement. And I don't like the way I worded this. I don't think it's right. So I'm going to edit it. But you can write this in your notes. If Jesus allows the devil access to a New Testament believer, it's so that the believer will allow Christ to rise up in him or her, take authority over the devil, and kick his butt. I think I would actually change that. I don't think it's so much that he allows the enemy access to our life. I think it's that he calls us to rise up and begin to be offensive instead of defensive and begin to learn who we are. Because Romans 16, 20 says, the God of peace will soon crush Satan. Under whose feet? <laughs> Under your feet. I think it was T.D. Jakes I heard say one time, you'll never know you have faith until you're in a good fight. And there are some times that God calls us into the battle to, to not just for us to rise up and be strong, but so that we can see how big Jesus really is on the inside of us. Believers, sheep, you are safe and you are secure in Jesus. Amen. Let's stand. Amen. Oh, just makes you feel good inside to know who Jesus is for you, doesn't it? Oh, that's what it does to me. This morning, you want to make Jesus Lord of your life. You can't make him Lord. He already is Lord. But you want him to be Lord of your life this morning. Can't make him say yes to you. He already has. But you want to say yes to his yes. You want to say yes, I surrender to you this morning. You are my Lord. You are my Savior. I enter through the door. There is no other way. He is the way. We'll talk about that in a few weeks. The truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Him. That's what He said. So this morning, you want to surrender to Him today? I just encourage you to raise your hand if that's you and say, you know what I do? I, I do. This today is my day. I want to surrender to this Jesus who's my safety and security. Is there anyone need to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior today? Raise your hand real high. We'll agree with you. 
And today I just feel like the best way that we can respond to him is just to say thank you. <laughs> thank you, Jesus, that you are our security. That we don't have to be afraid that we will wander too far away that you can't reach us. In fact, the truth is you never leave us and you never forsake us. You, we are secure in you because of you, not because of us, because of you. Thank you, Lord, that you've chased us down over and over. And Lord, we're learning. We are learning that we can trust you. We're learning that we can trust you. We're learning who we are because we're learning who you are. And Lord, thank you that you're our protector. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you protect us from the enemy. <laughs> you're not letting the devil knock us around to try to teach us a lesson. And Lord, even in areas today where we have made decisions, where we've come into agreement with the liar, we thank you that you reveal truth and truth makes us free. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. And we thank you, Lord, that even as we leave this place today, that there will be opportunities this week for us to put our feet on the neck of our enemy. He is a defeated foe. We just declare that today, that we are sons of Almighty God. Greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You did all this, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Come on, let's give him praise.